Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, band. Good morning again. Wow. I have been going non-stop since five o'clock or earlier this morning. So I need to stop right now and pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks again for your Holy Spirit, your power, your strength, your peace, your love, your presence with us this morning. Father, I pray your blessing upon each and every one who is listening now, whether they're here in person, whether they're online, and on those that maybe will connect up at a later point. Father, pour out your blessing. Open up our hearts our ears, our eyes to your truth, that we may resemble your Son and grow further and further into his likeness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you are watching online, please share. Uh, what is it you have to do? You have to share. I don't know. I'm getting signals here. Just share. Share. You know, I was looking at statistics, and we had 8,756 people found us in July through our internet connection. So that's a, that's a big number right there. So that, that's pretty awesome. Now, if you didn't get sermon notes, you need sermon notes, raise your hand if you didn't get them. We need one over here. Anybody else? Online, you can get them in the chat section there on Facebook. Anyone else need one? Going once, going twice, gone. Well, last week on our walk with Jesus, we learned about living in the Word, living in the light of the Word. And that if we have His Word in us, His Word is a light to the people who are around us. And I want to kind of continue on in that theme. And you can go to any of our past messages, go to our website, go to Facebook, lakewayonline.org. This morning I want to talk about living in faith. This goes hand in hand with living in the Word. And how when we have faith, that faith is not only a source of strength to us, it's a source of strength to people around us, whether they are people of faith or not. Our faith impacts the people around us. And last week we looked at a number of passages uh, and we ended up at the conclusion of Luke 6. So this morning we're going to pick it up in Luke 7. And it's a story about faith. And on your outline there, you'll see I've put two sets of scripture. So Luke 7 begins with the the account of of the Roman centurion's faith. And it's just a few verses. And then there's this corresponding passage in Matthew 8. Also quite short, but we're going to look at them both. That's why I've put them both in there. And I've got them both up there on the screen. And there's a reason for that. With your keen sense of observation... I know that as we go through these passages of Scripture here, and we're going to bounce back from Matthew to Luke, Matthew to Luke, you're going to see that there's a significant difference between the two passages of Scripture. And the question is, which one is correct? So I've got them up there. We're going to let them duke it out and see which one wins, okay? So in the left corner, we have Matthew Sorry, that's your right, isn't it? In the right corner, we have Matthew. In the left corner, we have Luke. So we're going to start off with the account in Matthew here. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. 
Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, no problem, let's go there. Luke 7 says, when Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. So we're in agreement, we know where this takes place. At that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. So this person is very, very sick. When the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his slave. So right away, we see there's a little bit of difference here. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. If anyone deserves your help, he does, they said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So Jesus went with them. So, did the officer come to Jesus himself, or did he send a delegation? Continuing on, Matthew. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. In Luke, it says, but just before they arrived at the house, so they're on the way to the house now, not the officer, Jesus and the respected Jewish elders are on the way to the house. The officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home, for I'm not worthy of such an honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. So a big difference here. In one passage, this guy doesn't even see himself as worthy of being in Jesus' presence. In the other passage, he's walking with Jesus. So in Luke, it says they head off toward the house, and a second delegation comes out to meet Jesus before they get there. In Matthew, it says they don't move. The whole conversation happens in the same place. So now, where it continues, now the middle part of these scriptures are almost virtually the same. So I've taken out the, the... the verse numbers here, so you won't know if I'm reading from Luke or Mark, and whatever you're reading, you'll see it's pretty much the same. Except, in Matthew, this dialogue's going on where Jesus first encountered this man, and in Luke, this dialogue is going on somewhere near the man's house. So either the man is saying this in person, in Matthew, or his delegation are saying this on his behalf. Just say the word from where you are. And my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. So now that kind of matches. Now we go back to the flip-flop. Now Matthew suddenly has a lot more detail than Luke. Luke concludes with one sentence. It says, And when the officers returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed. But Matthew says, Jesus begins this dialogue. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in, in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Now, before we get into what I want to teach on this morning, I want to give you my personal perspective of why these two passages vary. And this is, this is where you kind of got to dive a little bit deeper than, than people normally would look. 
Luke is Greek or Roman, most probably a Greek person, and he's writing, his letter is written to Theophilus, a Roman officer. Neither of them are Jewish, and neither of them live in Israel. This is being written somewhere in Greece, a long way from the Holy Land. So therefore, he's, he often has descriptors in his Gospels. As you read through Luke, he'll say things like, Nazareth in Galilee. Well, that would be like me saying to you, Frisco in Texas. I don't need to say Frisco in Texas to you because you know Frisco is in Texas. Now, some of the people online don't know where Frisco is. And when Luke was writing his letter, he puts in those descriptors because the people who are reading his letter aren't in the Holy Land. They don't know where Nazareth is. So you've got a whole different perspective here. So Luke writes from a Greek-Roman perspective for a Greek-Roman audience. Matthew is Jewish. He is a Hebrew by birth and heritage. He lives in Galilee, where Jesus lives. He writes from a Jewish perspective for a Jewish audience. If you ever read any of those little blurbs that come at the beginning of a book sometimes to explain it, you'll see that explanation in Matthew. Of all the four Gospels, it is written more for a Jewish audience than any of the others. So Luke has detail at the beginning of the account that Matthew doesn't have. And Matthew has detail at the end of the account that Luke doesn't have. And it's all to do with these two different perspectives. One is Roman, one is Jewish, Hebrew. At the beginning of both accounts, we see Jesus interact with someone on behalf of a slave who is deathly sick. Luke recounts the events from a Romanesque perspective. This Roman officer has a sick slave. And he wants the Jewish holy man, Jesus, to heal him. But the Romans are Gentile. Jesus is a Jew. And Romans and Gentiles don't do business together. They don't interact together. So the Roman, from from this perspective, he's writing from a Roman perspective, he knows he's got to get a representative to go talk to Jesus. Because he thinks, if I go to Jesus, he's going to look at me, I'm a Gentile, what are you talking to me for? The Jewish people wouldn't even let Gentiles into their temple, let alone into the presence of their God. And Luke also knew that if he wrote in the way that Matthew wrote, the people that are receiving it would right away, it would be suspect to them. What do you mean this Gentile went up to Jesus? I don't see that happening. Gentile's not going to go up to this Jewish holy man. So he explains this process in more detail. No, he didn't go himself. He sent a delegation to represent himself. He's got to get some influential Jewish help. Otherwise, the Jewish holy man's not going to entertain him. Matthew, on the other hand, doesn't care about any of that stuff. He doesn't care about, at this point, the relationship between the Gentile and the Jew. So from his account, some Roman guy had a sick slave, and they went to Jesus. End of story. Don't need to explain anything more. Don't need anything more. Then you get all the stuff in the middle, which is exactly the same. Now you get to the end of the story, which matters to the Hebrews, but doesn't matter to the Romans. So Luke just puts at the end of the story, and the slave was healed. Great. Matthew goes into all of, and the point that Luke is making 
It's all about faith. Matthew, on the other hand, he adds all this detail about Gentiles and Jewish birthright and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob because those details matter to his audience. Why is the God of the Jews healing a Gentile? So one person is, why is, the, why is a, a Gentile going to the God of the Jews? And at the other end, why is the God of the Jews having anything to do with the Gentile? They're, they're opposite. And Matthew has a lesson that he wants his people to understand. It's not about birthright, my fellow Jews. It's about faith in Jesus. Your birthright doesn't come into it. You need to have faith in Jesus because if you don't, you will separate yourself from your birthright, which is your Father in heaven. Luke doesn't mention all that stuff because birthright, the matter to the Romans and the Greeks, who cares? It's all about faith in Jesus. Both of them come to the same point. It's about faith in Jesus. One is concerned about how it came about, and the other one is concerned about how it came out. They're opposite, but it's all about faith in Jesus. The root varies. This, for me, this is why having multiple Gospels is literally a godsend. Now, if you were a skeptic, you could look at that and you could say, well, that account doesn't match with that account. This stuff, you know, I don't even know why you bother reading this stuff. But we talked about this last week. When your eyes are opened by the Holy Spirit and the Word becomes alive to you, you see something like this, and all of a sudden, instead of saying, ah, this doesn't make sense, it becomes richer. It's like, oh, that's because of this, and that's because of this. You get to the same place, but you get a Jewish perspective, you get a Hebrew perspective. But your eyes have to be open. Now, if that troubles anybody... Pastor Mike, you're using two different passages of Scripture. Come see me afterwards. I'm always open to discussion or text me or email me, whatever. So what can we learn from this account? Well, first, let's look at the characters, if you like, the cast. There's Jesus. It's still pretty early on in his ministry. He's been all over Galilee. He's been down to Judea. He's been baptized. He's come back. He's been performing miracles. He's been teaching People are flocking to see Jesus. You've got the slave. In both accounts, it says he's highly valued, or she, we don't know. And, and that's all that we know. There's a, we don't know the name. All we know is that there's a slave who's sick, who gets better. Then there's the Roman officer. He is humble and of great faith. And I think we don't actually get to meet him. I think Matthew's shortcut is not the accurate one. I think Luke's is the accurate one. And we've got the respected Jewish elders. They are indebted to this officer. And it seems like they've got great respect for him. And then, of course, we've got the friends, the people that come out to meet them on the way. They're probably not under the authority of the officer. Probably the officer is looking out and he sees Jesus and the elders come in and his friends are with him because they're all standing around. You know what it's like when somebody is sick. And he sends the friends out, hey, go, go tell Jesus this. And then there's the crowd. 99% Israelite, probably. And that would be, that'd be made up of the critics who are there just to look for fault. The confused. A lot would be confused because they're genuine Jewish people who care about the Lord. 
And they see this, this man who claims to be from the Lord and, and he's performing miracles and signs and he's teaching. But their leaders are saying, he's of the devil. So they're confused. Then there are the curious. A lot of people are curious, right? What's the deal with this Jesus guy? And there were the committed, the disciples who were there to learn and the apostles who were there to serve. Now, what I want us to look at in this story is how the faith of one person, in this case the officer, impacts the lives of all of those around him. And then we're going to talk about what it means to live in faith. Now, like so many of the accounts that we have of Jesus, we don't have any backstory to this. We never hear of this officer again. We don't know if we hear of him again. Um, What we do know is that he is a man of great faith. That's the essence of the story, right? How he came to get his faith, we don't know that. I imagine that he either lives in Capernaum or close to Capernaum, because that's where this event happens. And he's been living there for a while, long before Jesus began his ministry. So I I try to get into the head. He's someone who's been sent from Rome sent to a foreign land to oversee these people who are subjects of the Roman Empire. And he serves Caesar. And he goes out there on duty. He says in one one account he's a centurion. He's, He's someone who's important. But while he's there, something happens. And all of a sudden, these people he sent to oversee become personal to him. He becomes friends with them. He likes them. It says they love him. And I think he got connected to the Jewish God. Salvation is of the Jews. So something's going on in his life. And in his generosity, I don't know if they had an old synagogue or whether the town was growing and they needed another synagogue. He builds a synagogue for them. Probably the same synagogue that Jesus teaches in later. So he's an important person. But we don't know where his faith comes from. He's got this sick slave. Hears about Jesus. He's probably seen Jesus, but it seems from the account he doesn't get close to Jesus. Maybe he's watching from a distance, or maybe people just come back and tell him. It says when he heard about it. And his slave is sick, so he calls these these elders, and maybe he had them pray over the slave. Can you guys heal him? Your God is God, right? Can you heal him? And they can't heal him. He says, what about Jesus? Now, these guys must have had some belief in Jesus, even though the church elders didn't. Because these guys go to Jesus. Please help us, Jesus. This man means something to us. He loves our people. He built the synagogue that you teach in. Jesus, can you do something for him? And what's amazing about this passage of Scripture is there's something in this Roman centurion that knows before they even get to Jesus that Jesus has the authority and the power to do this. The question on his mind is, will Jesus do this? I know he can. I don't know if he will. I'm a Gentile. They're Jewish. We all know the outcome. Talk about how this, this, this 
officer's faith affects everyone. Now, just imagine you're the slave. You don't know anything. You get sick. Next thing you know, in an instant, you're well. You were dying, and now you're well. What happened? Your master talked to our master, and he healed you through the faith of your master. How does that slave feel now? Wow. I was sick. I was dying. And now I'm well. How do the elders, the Jewish elders feel? They hear Jesus have this conversation with this. No, they don't. They have the conversation with Jesus. And then they see the friends come out of the house and say, no, don't come into the house. I'm not even worthy to be in your presence, Jesus. And they hear Jesus say, I've never seen such faith. I am amazed. It's done. What does that do for their faith? This this Roman guy? This Gentile? Wow. And the friends that come out. Oh, Jesus came to tell us not, not, not to do, you know, you, you don't need to come. No problem, it's done. What? His faith did it. What? Head on home, you'll see. And then the crowd that are all watching. How does the Romans' faith affect the crowd? Now, people are going to make up their own mind about everything, right? Some, some, we know that some of the critics there are going to say, that's right from Satan. But some of those people are going to look and say, Jesus has been amazed by this man's faith. I wish I had faith like that. I wish I had that power available to me. Hmm. It's incredible. You know, there's only two times in Scripture where it says that Jesus was amazed. Just two times. Both had to do with faith. This is one time. He was amazed at this Roman officer's faith. And the other time is in Mark 6, 6. It says, he was amazed at the people's lack of faith. Faith is important. In fact, the Bible says that you cannot please God without faith. And one day, each and every one of us, the Bible says we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand before Christ. Our salvation is not in question, but the Bible says we're going to stand before Christ and he's going to ask us to give an account of our lives. And when it comes to faith, Which conversation do you want to hear? I was amazed at your faith. I was amazed at your faith. You didn't let fear or circumstances or hardship or anything stand in your way. You didn't. I I, I blessed you. And you used your blessing faithfully to serve me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Or... I was amazed at your faith, or lack of. 
I blessed you. And you didn't care. Yeah, you said thank you. I gave you resources. I gave you abilities. I gave you all you need. But you just held on to it. You pretty much kept it. Yeah, a little bit here and there. But mostly you used everything I gave you for you and yours. But you didn't really use it to serve me. Your time, your talents, your treasures. And there, maybe there were moments, but you never ever stepped out in faith. A lot of talk. No real action. You hid behind your fear. You hid behind your circumstances. You hid behind your apathy. You hid behind your comfort. You hid behind your hurt feelings. I am amazed at your lack of faith. Wow. Here's the point. Living in faith matters. And faith doesn't happen in a bubble. Nor does unfaithfulness. Your faith impacts those around you, and your lack of faith impacts those around you. Let me explain with a a little illustration here. Silly illustration. Faith is like a fountain. Oh, no, they say. Please not. Faith is like a fountain. When it goes off, everybody in range gets a little bit on them, right? Anyone get any of that on them? Not really. It's not much faith, is it? (laughs) Yeah. But the bigger the fountain, the greater the output the greater the impact, the greater the chances of of getting people around you. Did anyone get that? No? I could set it on, yeah. But maybe you just need more faith. Ah. Oh, this one's not even working. There we go. It's getting there. There. You're not feeling that yet, though, are you? It's getting there. But it's not really there. But, but the faith is growing. And maybe, I don't know what, maybe, maybe we need more faith. Anybody up for some faith? Are you up for some faith? It's not plugged in. It's not plugged in. It, it, goes to, it goes to a dead end. You shouldn't. (laughs) Faith is like a fountain. You know, it's a funny, it's a silly illustration, but it's a fact. And the more your faith bubbles up and overflows, it impacts people around you. They get some on them. But here's the problem.
Here we go, testing. Okay, I have your attention though, don't I? You see, just as our faithfulness affects those around us, so does our unfaithfulness. And you don't want to get any of that on you, do you? Look at that. That's a pretty pathetic because I haven't pumped it up. There's poison in here. Yeah, look at that HDX. You know what that is? No, it's not. It's the brand name of this bottle. <laughs> There's wa- the only thing that's in here is water. <laughs> but I think you get the point. Our faithfulness impacts the people around us. Our unfaithfulness impacts the people around us. You can talk it up. I believe in Jesus. I trust Jesus. You got to read your Bible. You got to say your prayers. Jesus is good. You can talk it up or you can live it up. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you truly lived in faith? Now let's talk a minute for what it means to live in faith. He's come back. I sprayed your chair, John. You won't need to worry about weeds for a while. (laughs) To live in faith means that we bring the light of what is to come into the darkness of today. You know, if this is all there is, it's pretty bleak, isn't it? If this is all there is to life, if what we're experiencing in life right now is all there is, it's pretty bleak. Now, I don't want to share all my troubles with you. But I'm going to. Um, And and I'm going somewhere with this. So this week, daughter of a good friend of ours, a daughter who's a good friend of ours, she was with us on the day that we picked up our son to be adopted. She was one of the first people to see him. And she passed away. We watched her funeral yesterday. So we're dealing with that. My sisters may be online today. So Sandra comes in to me on Thursday and says, what's going on in Plymouth, where I come from in England? I don't know if any of you heard this. And some guy decided to do an American thing. He was upset, so he got himself a shotgun kicked down his mother's door, shot his mother, went out on the street and shot four others, five others, including a three-year-old child and her dad. This is my sister standing here with her grandchildren. This took place about where that door is. She heard all the gunshots. She heard the yelling. And then you start talking And the guy and the little girl, my other sister says, oh, yeah, I know them from church. Somebody says, oh, I worked with so-and-so. They had a candlelight vigil there last night. I don't know if my sisters were at the candlelight vigil. I'm kind of hoping they were. And then Sandra's brother. A couple weeks ago, Sandra's dad was having some problems um, He had a series of minor strokes, and her mom has got some problems with her heart. So she decided to call her brother in Australia to let him know. And when she called him, he said, okay, 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 I got news too. I got cancer. 
He's got cancer in his jaw. So they did the surgery this week. They took the whole of his jaw away. Took a bone out of his leg and rebuilt his jaw. While he was in having the surgery, his wife had a heart attack. Actually, she had a cardiac arrest and a heart attack. They're in Australia. They're 18 hours different. So we've been going back and forth, especially Sandra. He has no family over there except for his wife. And talking with them, and we were talking with them early this morning and last night. And so he comes around, and they're, you know, they're, this is a major, major surgery. And yesterday they were in visiting his wife, and now they're just waiting for her to die. She's not going to make it. We have a whole group of ladies that have been praying for Chad. He goes by Chad. The elders and I met on Monday for our monthly elders meeting. They've been praying for Chad. Now, Chad's not a person of faith. But this morning, we said to him, we got all these people praying for you. You can't talk. And he held up a sign. It means a lot to me. Thank you all. That's building bridges. This Life is hard. But we don't live for this life, do we? We live for what is to come. And when you live in faith, you take some of the hope and the light of what is to come and you bring it back into the darkness of today. That's what we do. That's what it means to live in faith. In the midst of all the mud and the muck and everything else, we have something that keeps our head up, our eyes up, and our attitude right. Because this is temporary. When you live in faith, you live for what is permanent. When we live in faith, we bring light and hope into people's lives in this dark world. We don't live as though our money worries are all that there is. We live for what is to come. We don't live as though our time constraints are all that there is. We live for what is to come. We don't live as though our perceived lack of abilities or skills is all there is. We live for what is to come. We live for kingdom come. Here today, we don't worry about all of those things that get in the way. God, I live for you. I live to serve you. To live in faith means that when you get up in the morning, the first thing that's on your mind is, how can I serve you today, Lord? What can I do on this day to serve you, Lord? There's nothing wrong with having passive faith. God, I'm, I'm trusting in you for healing, or I'm trusting in you for this situation. I need your help. Lord, thank you for the hope that you give me. Lord, thank you for the future that I have. There's nothing wrong with all of that stuff, but to live in faith, Lord, how can I serve you today, every day, every moment? I want amazing faith. When I want to stand in front of Jesus, I want him to look at me, and he says, I am amazed at your faith. Simple, simple prayer. Lord, teach me to live in faith. 
I want to have amazing faith. You know, and it can be as simple as, as reaching out to someone that just needs to hear a word of encouragement. It was just so good th- this morning because we were talking to Chad. And, he can't, and, he, and he's giving thumbs up for things and he's writing little things. And as soon as we said there's a whole army of people praying for you, his eyes lit up. And he, and he wrote that on the thing and he held it up. And then he looked at it again and he erased it and he wrote it again neater and bigger because he wanted the message to come across. It means so much to me. Thank you for bringing the light of a hope to come into the darkness of my day today. And I'll guarantee you he's in that bed today and it's hard. I don't know if she's passed away yet. We're just waiting. But he's got something to hold on to. It could be simply mowing a neighbor's lawn. You know, I love David. Anytime something like that comes up, he's right away. Where do they live? What can I do? I'll get on over there and do it. If he's got some food, hungry soul's food, I'll take it on over there. Sometimes it just means having coffee with someone. Bringing a little bit of the love of the Lord into their lives. Having the courage to share the hope that you have in Jesus with someone. Or maybe serving here in youth or children. Child care, change a diaper once in a while. Maybe giving a little more sacrificially. Getting involved in a ministry and serving others. Randy goes downtown. He's got the prison ministry. All right. Living in faith means stepping out of your comfort zone to live for Jesus right now, today, and bring light into someone's life. Amen? So let me ask you again. How amazing is your faith? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks because your faith is amazing. Your faithfulness is amazing. Father, you bear with us even when we don't bear with you. You are faithful to us even when we are not faithful to you. You care for us even when we don't care for you. Father, when we whine and we cry about our situation and and why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that and, and why would God do this? You still love us. You're still faithful. And your shoulders are so big you can bear up underneath that. Father, I'm praying for each and every one of us that you would just pour out your faithfulness into our lives. I pray that we would live with amazing faith, not just a passive faith for what you're going to do for us, but with an amazing faith of what we do for you. Give us the courage to reach past our fear, our convenience, our comfort, or whatever else gets in the way. And encourage us, Father, to be the people you've called us to be. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Announcements. Women's Retreat coming up October 1st and 3rd. Today is the last day for early bird pricing. Now, you can sign up online. 
You can sign up in the foyer, or I put the QR code there. I don't know if that will work. Someone try that out for me, will you? Come on. Someone get the phone out and try this out. I want to see if it works. You are? It works. There you go. Thank you, Kevin. Um, so, ladies, yeah, today is the last day that you can get early bird pricing. The early bird pricing is $120. That's pretty reasonable for a whole weekend of no dishes, no cooking, no kids. I think we should double that. We could make a lot of money on this. <laughs> Pardon me? 240 it is. So sign up today. Uh, please be faithful with your offering. As you leave, you can put your offering in there. You can give online. We should get a QR code for that. Um, or mail it on in. That's all the announcements I think we have. Anyone know of any other announcements? No? Oh, and pray for Sandra and I. Um, we, were, we are trying to get back to England in September. we got all this stuff going on. And uh, we have to test two days before we leave. Two days after we get there, two days before we come back. And I'm so panicked that if one of those tests is positive, we've already made agreement. If she's positive, I'm going. (laughs) If I'm positive, she's going. But um, just pray that we're able to stay safe. And that's why I'm wearing my mask everywhere I go. So please keep that in prayer. Please stand. I want to pray God's blessing upon you. Father, I give you thanks again for each and every person that you've brought here this morning. Father, would you just pour out your amazing grace, your amazing faith, your amazing hope, peace, joy, love, all of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, Father, that we would overflow with that, with that fruit so that as we go from here, we can bring your blessings, we can bring your light, we can bring your hope into that dark world out there. And Father, strengthen us for the day because many of us are going through things. May we not focus on those things. May we focus on you, the healer and the author and perfecter of our faith. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you all for coming.